Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. At the very core of Martin Heidegger's essay, Plato's Doctrine of Truth is, in fact, the discussion of two different perspectives, attitudes, or you might say comportments towards truth. How do we understand what truth is? And Heidegger takes Plato as doing something that is determinative, not only for Plato, not only for his immediate followers, but really for the entire history of Western metaphysics, as, as he calls it. And we're going to look at that history in a different video. But right now, let's concentrate on what he's saying about Plato's own transformation that's taking place here in the understanding of truth in the allegory of the cave. So we have what Heidegger calls the original essence of truth, pre-Socratic, pre-Platonic, truth as aletheia. That means unhiddenness or an unforgetting is another way of translating that. Well, we'll come back to that in a moment. But what is he contrasting it against? What is the fundamental transformation that Plato is bringing about that we see not only in the rest of Plato's dialogues, but particularly crystallized here in the allegory of the cave? There's really two parts to it. We could say that instead of being understood as aletheia, truth is now being understood as orthotes, rightness or correctness. But Heidegger, I think, rightly points out that you don't have any correctness or correspondence or rightness in Plato without there also being the mediating factor of the idea of the form that which shows forth, as he says, that which reveals itself. And this is, in fact, a kind of unhiddenness, but it's an unhiddenness of a particular range of beings taken as paradigmatic. So let's come back for a moment to talk about the original essence of truth as, as that which we're moving away from. So Heidegger tells us several important things along the way. One is that he says that truth, as Aletheia, is what has been wrested from hiddenness, what has been drawn out of it. So in a way, you know, Plato himself, in telling the allegory, in doing dialectics, in doing everything that he's doing, is in fact relying on this earlier conception, this more primal way of understanding truth. But he's going to transform it. What else can we say? Heidegger tells us that aletheia remains unhiddenness in relation to what remains hidden so that you can never reveal everything. There's always going to be this play of what is hidden in relation to what is unhidden. What is unhidden can show forth, you might say, against the background or by contrast to what remains hidden. And so the ancient Greeks, in Heidegger's view, didn't attempt until the time of, of Plato or perhaps even you know Socrates before him, to try to make everything manifest, to try to bring everything into presence for the, the human being, to make everything intelligible. The other thing that he says that's really fundamentally important here is that truth understood as aletheia is a fundamental trait of beings themselves. So that every single thing has its own truth to it. 
Its truth is not, as it will be with Plato, dependent upon it being related to the idea. It has its truth. It has its capacity for revealing itself to us, for uncovering itself, for coming out of hiddenness on its own account. And human beings are the witnesses of this rather than, you might say, the measure of it. Or you might say human beings draw some of these things out, but they don't draw it out necessarily according to a method. Now, what happens with this platonic conception? As I mentioned, he's going to talk about the idea and orthotes or correctness. So the first thing that he tells us is that this is talking about the allegory of the cave. And he says that certainly unhiddenness is mentioned in its various stages, but it's considered simply in how it makes whatever appears be accessible in its visible form. It's eidos. Eidos and idea are very closely connected, right? Both of them are used almost synonymously by, by Plato. It's visible form. And in terms of how it makes this visible form as that which shows itself, which is what Heidegger takes idea to be, to be telling how it makes it be visible. And remember too, in the allegory of the cave, the visibility is not primarily that of the material objects, but that of the forms that those material objects are copies of. So he says, this reflection focuses on the visible forms appearing. The visible form provides a view of that as, as which any given being is present. The reflection proper aims at the idea. So when we're looking at, say, a sheet of paper, we are looking at this physical object, but we are going beyond it in our mind, in our mind's eye, as we use the locution, the metaphor about that. And we are thinking about something like an ideal form of paper or perhaps rectangularity or whatever it else it is that we're connecting it up with that gives it intelligibility. So he says, the idea is a visible form that offers a view of what is present. And here's a really important thing. The idea does not first let something else behind it shine and appear. It is itself what shines. This is, again, in the allegory, but also in Plato's other doctrine. The idea, the form, the intelligible is what is most true, what is most understandable, what reveals itself the most, what actually has the most being, too, in Platonic metaphysics and Neoplatonic metaphysics. So he's going to go on and he makes a historical observation here. He says, this is why for Plato... The proper essence of being consists in its whatness. What is that kind of thing? What is this sheet of paper? What is this article of clothing here? What is this person that you're seeing? Is it the existentia, the existence, the being that places itself forward? By the way, in Latin, existentia doesn't just mean bare existence until really about halfway through the, the Middle Ages. You can see this very clearly in authors like, for example, Anselm of Canterbury, where existentia still has the sense of something that stands forth, that comes out, right? A little bit of a digression there. Coming back, he says, for Plato, the proper essence of being consists in whatness. Even later terminology shows this quiditas, not existentia. Quiditas is the whatness, right? Quid, what, what the thing is. Existentia, its existence. Quiditas is the true essay. That is, its essentia, what the essence of the thing is. From a platonic perspective, the form of human being is more real than me. The form of tie is more real than this particular tie. The form of sheet of paper 
The idea of it is more real, is more intelligible. It is what allows us to recognize this material object as sheet of paper, this thing as tie, this person as human being. So he says, what the idea in a shining forth brings into view and thereby lets us see for the gaze focused on the idea, the unhidden of that as which the idea appears. The unhidden is grasped antecedently. The unhidden is grasped antecedently before and by itself as that which is apprehended in apprehending the idea, as that which is known in the act of knowing. So he calls this a platonic revolution. And he says that this is going to lead us to a different conception of, of reason. A little bit later on, he's going to continue these remarks and deepen them. He says that we have a transformation of the essence of truth taking place in the allegory of the cave and in Plato's work in general. It's also a change, he says, of the locus of truth. Whereas in the earlier conception of truth, which Heidegger thinks is still accessible and available to us because it is the original, primal essence of truth, Everything possesses its truth. Everything can shine forth. Everything can be a locus of revealing or unhiding, you might say. For Plato, that's not the case anymore. The idea is the locus of truth, or rather, that which places itself in relation to the idea. So, uh, unhiddenness now becomes, as we say, dependent upon the idea. Truth becomes correctness, orthotes. Being right. Correctness of what? Correctness of apprehending. That is something cognitive, right? Or perceptual. And of, he says, asserting. So we see truth becomes something that is essentially a property, no longer of being as such, although it's not really a property, but rather something of thoughts and language. This is what Heidegger takes to be a fundamental revolution, a transformation in the conception of truth. So he says, with this transformation of the essence of truth, there takes place at the same time a change of the locus of truth. As unhiddenness, truth is still a fundamental trait of beings themselves, but as the correctness of the gaze of that which the human being, that which is looking upon the ideas, it becomes a characteristic of human comportment towards being. A little bit later, he's going to talk about humanism and its relation to this. So what is actually happening here? A little bit earlier than that, he says that everything depends on the orthotase, the correctness of the gaze. Through this correctness, seeing or knowing becomes something correct, so that in the end it looks directly at the highest idea and fixes itself in this direct alignment. It gets its gaze better and better, more correct. He says, in so directing itself, apprehending conforms itself to what is to be seen, the visible form, the, the idea, the eidos. What results from this, he says, is a homoasis, that is a conformity, a agreement, you might say. So this is a very important transformation. And a little bit later on, he says, the intellect's judgment and assertion becomes the place of truth. And he tells us that, here's where we'll end with these reflections. Truth is no longer as it was qua hiddenness, the fundamental trait of being itself. Instead, as a consequence of being yoked, he says, under the idea, truth becomes correctness, and henceforth it will become a characteristic of the knowing of beings. One particular being is doing that knowing, human being. And truth now falls within the province, no longer of being beings as such, but of a particular class of being, and our relation to that. So the human gaze, right, becomes central, 
We have an agreement between the human gaze and the idea. What happens to truth and things? It becomes, if not entirely unconceivable, secondary, auxiliary. He even talks at a certain point about truth being understood as orthothes or correctness, giving us what the, the idea is. And then there's still the realm of beauty that has to do with unhiddenness. But what is Plato primarily interested in, according to Heidegger? It's this correctness, this relationship to the ideas. So this really is a fundamental transformation in the entire notion of what truth is. A departure from a earlier and in some ways more perennial conception of truth. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.